that's a really powerful frame for men is cool. What else? And in a way that is genuine, it's congruent. It's like, what else do you got? Like, give it to me. I want to hear it. Yeah. It's good when it feels like you are actually listening, not just doing the motions yeah. of, right, what else? It's got to be empowered. Okay. It's authentic. I understand. I'm with you. You know, basically what you're asking is, is there anything that you're holding back because you're fearing that how I will react or how I will take it? You know, because those withholds are in the way of the connection ultimately. Yeah. And reassuring you that I'm a safe space for all of you. Doesn't mean I take it personally. Doesn't mean I take it on. Like you said, doesn't mean I necessarily even agree. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. All right, it's the Vouchers. Here we are. Yeah. Are you okay, baby? I want to be okay. <laughs> I really do. Tired of not really being okay. Mm. Yeah. You are a loved baby. Will you still love me if I remain not okay for any longer? Uh, yes, and I hope it doesn't come to that. What do you want to talk about, baby? Well, we are going to talk about how couples fight and mm-hmm. common challenges that I, you, we see in the work that we do, working with couples every day, all day long. <laughs> and we're, we're queuing up, like we're, we're prefacing, slash I'm prefacing the show by saying that I um, just got back a couple of days ago from running women's retreats in New Orleans, my last one for the year. Um, retreat started on Thursday. I drove from Austin to New Orleans with my assistant Camille on Wednesday and on Monday started coming down with the sickness, some sort of sickness, uh, sinus infection. What I on think, Monday before going. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. On the Monday before going. And like, it felt like really bad allergies at first, which I've, I've experienced this set of things happening in this order many times in the past. It's just been a really long time where allergies were really bad. And then my sinuses were just really irritated and then just progressed into a full-blown upper respiratory situation, mm-hmm. coughing, body aches. I didn't test for fever, but there were a couple times that I was pretty sure that fever was what was going on, like waking up in the middle of the night, just sweating and in that whole situation, headaches, uh, itchy, sore throat, sore eyes, sore sinuses, swollen lymph nodes, like the whole gambit. And that was, I started coming down with it on Monday and it is now like over a week since and... I'm still feeling shitty. <laughs> I'm still feeling shitty. I made it through the whole retreat, asked for a lot of grace from my attendees and did my very best. I had a lot of assistance from, you know, my assistant Camille and then my mom was the caterer slash secondary assistant for the Mama whole D. the whole trip. And so it was awesome to get to have her. I just wished that I felt better, like to have my last retreat go down and feel like a fraction of myself. And then of course, being pregnant on top of that and already not getting great sleep, but then now coughing and there's just a whole situation and sneezing. It was a whole situation. Y'all, as of now, as of the recording of this episode, I am in the week between 16 and 17 
weeks pregnant and cannot even believe that I had happened what happened so early that I'm about to tell you with maybe only a little bit of shame and mostly just surrendered acceptance. But I was coughing and sneezing so hard and Ah, so like aggressively and spontaneously that one evening, I don't know if I was just tired or what, but she shit herself. No, I didn't. Why would you do that? It isn't even funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not uh, funny. Sorry, I was mistaken. <laughs> and you took that from me. Because, because I had Jordan, to. I, had I don't to. even want to do this with you right do you now. Want to cancel it? Yeah, just go. I'll do it myself. I don't actually need you right now. <laughs> you need me desperately. I don't even want to finish the story now. Fuck. Tell him, baby. No. Come on, little honey. Why Why did you do that? I couldn't help myself. I need you to do better. Are you alarmed, little? Our dog is very concerned. Anyway. And then? This just doesn't even, it's like not even exciting to say anymore. How rude. Tell them. Anyway. I don't even want to do this. You're going to do that again throughout our conversation. You got to go. I cannot guarantee that I will not. And you will love me nonetheless. Tell Do you remember you the part? Do you remember yeah. the part where I told you I don't feel good right now? Yes, baby. No, I don't think you. I don't think you're registering. Do you this. want me to just be silent? No, baby. I just need demands. You to get your, I just need you to, you to get your shit together. You need me, y'all. Let's let's take a poll. Who thinks that I need to get my shit together, and who thinks Lex needs to get her shit together? Who thinks that I am just this vulnerable, sensitive, oh, sad, my little victim, sick, pregnant lady? Are you fucking joking me? Tell them what you did. I sneezed. And then? And I couldn't brace fast enough. And? and I peed a little bit. She peed herself. So she didn't I shit didn't herself, but I was close. myself. I peed a little bit. Yes, you peed yourself. I didn't just like, let me just pee all over myself. You peed in your pants. In <laughs> <laughs> my free people jumper, one of four things that fits me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at you. But you're not actually. Yes, I am. No. I want to just throw this podcast in the trash can. I want to hit the trash can button on it. Uh-huh. Because of you. Because of my <sighs> actions. Well, yeah, okay, so anyway. Well. Moving along swiftly. You got very mad at me a couple nights ago. Do you want to talk about that? One of the bigger ruptures in our relationship. Yeah, well, I mean, this podcast, that, that was my preface, was just telling everybody, like, the state of affairs within uh-huh. me, and I am... I am not a happy camper, y'all, if you did not piece that together. Mm -hmm. And I live with the silliest, most playful, typically most joy-filled human maybe I've ever met. And it's annoying. It's annoying, you know, sometimes for you to just be that okay all the time. Uh Uh-huh. Mad about it. (laughs) Well, anyway. You need to go stand in the corner. We were, I'm going to just completely ignore that. We were talking about topics for recording an episode and we were talking about, you know, the possibility of, of just us discussing how we fight. You know, you guys get a little glimpse here and there when we have like little mini playful arguments, just like leading up to the show or throughout recording a show, but you don't. You know, we haven't like fully broken down what it actually looks like when something really bothers either of us. And like, what does arguing 
or in air quotes, fighting look like for us. And then that kind of evolved into, you know, what we have seen over the years. So I've had, we've had, you know, Sex and Love Co. hasn't always been called Sex and Love Co., but we've had our business slash I've had this business for over six and a half years. And so, you know, we've experienced, I, we have experienced lots of rupture and repair, lots of breakdowns, um, lots of breakthroughs. Come on. For the most part, couples getting closer together and even sometimes couples choosing to separate in our work. So I thought it would be cool to maybe just touch on, you know, and share with all of you a little bit of the behind the scenes for us and what, you know, some of some of this like process looks like for us. And then also sharing some of the things that we see that are pretty common in couples that we've worked with and what we would tell them to do differently or if they were to bring the conversation or bring the conflict up to us, how we would maybe counsel them. And, you know, this is what, like, like I've said multiple times, this subject matter, this sex, love, relationships, intimacy, vulnerability, connection, all of that is what we've devoted our lives to. And um, we don't have the answer. We don't have your answer for you. You have your answer for you. So if you're going to listen to this and take advice or implement any of the things that we're saying, know that, you know, each conversation that we would have with someone, there's nuance to it and we'd be learning more of what's going on and what's more of their family dynamic and relationship dynamic. And so, you know, listen with an open heart, take what resonates for you and leave the rest. Amen. Yeah. A woman. And if there's a time where we might say something and go, and you have like big resistance or you have like a yeah fucking right, chances are high. That's the advice you need to take the most. Yeah. So just going to point that out there too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you want to talk about our. Potentially. Most recent rupture. <laughs> repair. Yep. Still feels pretty tender, you know, but I don't really want to get into the specifics of, of what, because I don't necessarily think that that matters all that much. Mm-hmm. But the how we navigate it, I think, is what's what stands out. Yeah. You know, because the what will change. Mm-hmm. The what will just like change over the years. But how you choose to show up and how I choose to show up, how we choose to take personal responsibility in those situations. I think when we, I shared this recently with another couple that was on the podcast that I recorded with very recently, who they've been in this work for over a decade 20 some odd years and he's a sexologist and has his PhD in some psychology, something or other. And I described how we navigated conflict and they were very impressed. They were like, wow, that's a testament to the work that you've put in. And I was like, oh yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. And they were like, most couples wouldn't even think, wouldn't even know to go to those places that you just outlined. So I'll stop talking and let you kind of share. Mm-hmm. So a little context and yeah, not So much of the what, but just a little bit of it. You being at the retreat, being sick. I was also out of town for a few days. We were apart for about a week and just limited connection across the board. So a little distance. And as it goes sometimes as well, over a week without having sex, which that typically contributes fairly significantly to potential conflict. So long story short, I made a decision without consulting you. And I had a feeling that it was not ideal to do that, but 
through my lens and my experience, I determined, you know, I'm going to go for it. We'll talk about it and it'll ultimately be a positive thing. And when I told you it, when I asked you, cause you didn't tell me. Okay. When you asked me and my intention was to have a complete conversation in a neutral space. And unfortunately it was like at night before bed when the question was asked. So it's, and we had had the entire day together prior to this evening. Okay, baby. I'm just pointing it out. Wasn't the entire day because I had just flown back. We had a handful of hours earlier. We had half the day. Mm -hmm. You want to tell the story or what you want to do, baby? I just want to make sure that I want the record to state. Okay. I want everybody to have a full picture. You're going to front row seat to the wound being reopened and fighting in real time. We're not fighting. Carry on. So anyway, Lex had a reaction and her reaction then triggered a reaction within me and not the way that I want to respond ever by getting like hijacked by my emotions in like an acute fleeting moment. But nonetheless, I quickly realized, okay, this is not about me. Put me aside. I'm okay. I'm fine. Lex is having a a fairly intense emotional experience and I need to be there for my wife and put my pride aside, my shit, my desperation to be understood, to defend, to justify, all those kind of things and be with my wife who I love. And at some point, maybe I'll have the opportunity to do those things and and I don't necessarily need to. That's that's I don't need to be understood all the time or to justify or defend, you know, how I navigate life or decisions I make. That's I get to be with the consequences, ramifications. And I do a lot of that processing with my closest guy friends, which I think is perfectly appropriate. So all that build up, I then did my best to not try and fix, um, but to be present, hold space, to console, to, and really, I think at the core of it, one of the biggest sayings that I'll, I'll play on repeat in my mind and a mantra of sorts is seek to understand over being understood. That is really helpful. When I can just be with you and really, to the extent that I can fathom, empathize with you and what you're going through. And even if I disagree, if my ego is trying to inhibit me from understanding, it's like, no, what, what's happening here? How could she feel? Okay. Oh, okay. I, I have it a little bit. Let me go a little deeper. Let me really sink into it. And usually fairly quickly, I can, I can find the thread. I can find something that I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. Okay. Yep. Okay. I feel that. I can appreciate that. I can understand that and just be with that and see how far I can take that. Because when you can feel that from me, I think it provides a place of safety of, of respect, of appreciation, and thus the repair process begins. Until I get to that place of genuinely understanding you on some level, we can't really go anywhere. That's my perspective. That's my experience is until I can really feel you and what you're going through, even just if it's a, just a taste touch, until that point, it's just kind of like, oh, we're still in it. We're in the rupture. 
And once I got that, it's not like instantly it was fixed and it was better, but the road to better, we were on it. And yeah, I slept in a different bed that night. Not that I, it's funny to say that because it's like, oh shit, they slept in separate beds. It really wasn't because I had to certainly, or because I even thought I should. It was just like, you know, I want to. And we came to enough uh, coherence before going to bed to where it didn't feel like I was doing that from a reactive place in like hiding or retreating into little boy, immature, triggered, even like manipulative. So mad at each other. Yeah. You did that because I needed space. Mm -hmm. Like I just needed, I was having a hard time regulating my nervous system and whether it was through thought loops and spiraling in my own head or you asking me questions trying to show up for me, it was re-triggering me over and over and over again. And so I just needed it to all kind of go away and for me to calm myself down. Mm -hmm. And And sometimes I need the space. Yeah. And I want to double click on that quickly to bring it more generally into what we see both personally and when we're working with people especially for guys, there's a tendency to shocker want to fix. What do I got to do to make this go away? To make her not be angry, not be sad? How do I, and really all that is, that's my shit. That's me being afraid. That's me not being able to sit with the big energy, the emotions, the intensity, which there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. They just are. It's just just bigness. And actually those things are really beautiful. The more I can reframe my perspective on that, the better off I am, we are. And so yeah, that feels important to speak to that point of like, okay, that's, that's what I don't want to do is try and fix it. And I can feel like, oh, in my body, I'm like, oh, I want to fix it so bad. I want to make it go away. I want to, and it's, nope, nothing I can do is going to fix it. I can just surrender to that knowing. It's the best I can do is just be with it. Because there isn't, you know, in order to fix something, that must mean that you've gotten enough information to determine that you know what's best. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this kind of situation is purely subjective and emotional. Mm -hmm. It's not rational and it's not logical. And even if you attempt to rationalize, it's still not what my reality is. And so none of that works almost ever does any of that work. And asking, you know, the questions like when you say I'm seeking to understand, it doesn't mean, you know, like I'm in my shit and you're like, why are you doing this? Yeah. So that's a distinction or distinction. It's not, well, why do you feel this way? I don't understand why you feel this way. Tell me why you feel this way. There's no that's aggressive and no amount of questioning like that is like it's not really coming from genuine desire for connection it's it's still ego based mm-hmm. and it's still coming from someone who wants to protect themselves and defend themselves mm-hmm. so you're seeking to understand but not from that place you're seeking to understand you know from the place of you know asking the questions like what is my reality yeah and you're whatever i would have said you were in full acceptance of it it didn't mean you agreed with it but you were in acceptance of it so Nothing that I could say is for you to take necessarily personally. You know, maybe there are some things if you do want to take it personally because they are things that you need to consider or you you choose to consider or whatever. So you need to consider, but like it's good for you to consider. 
but not everything that I say in those really um, emotional states is, is like, I think that unequivocally, you know, like it's, it's just a really charged experience. And I think that we both know that when I or you are that far over the edge, it's not only our current self that's processing. It's old stories. It's old traumas. It's old things that are being dredged up to the surface. And, you know, it's 14-year-old Alexa that's speaking. It's seven-year-old Alexa that's speaking. It's you know, it's Alexa who was in the relationship that had, you know, a lot of deception, lying, cheating, inconsideration. Like it's her having this, you know, piecing together that some of these components are too similar to, you know, previous times when I was taken advantage of, when I was hurt, when, you know, and so it's like a lot of stuff that comes to the surface. And I think both of us know in those moments that that's what's happening. But, um, you know, for me in this instance, I was in it. And so I was just, you know, I think that we both know that. And it's not like knowing that just makes it go away. And so for me, my role in it is to let myself feel, you know, like as I started to feel, I was like, I was like, wow, holy shit, this is, this is bigger than I thought it was going to be like my initial reaction. And then I started and it could have been accumulation of stuff, feeling sick, being pregnant, having traveled, feeling worn down, overwhelmed, feeling like just all the things. And then this on top of it just made it to where I couldn't really distinguish past from present. And it took me so quickly that, and I hadn't, I hadn't experienced what I experienced in a very long time. And that was a full on panic attack, like the breathing, really intense breathing and really intense emotional waves spiraling. My heart rate was racing. And, you know, I, it's been a long time since I had an experience like that, but they're very familiar to me. And so I'm just, I'm not scared of them now. I used to be scared of them. You know, I used to be scared that I wouldn't be able to get out of it and that it wouldn't pass and that it was just going to be my reality was just going to be these spirals and, and, you know, emotions and all of that. And now I know if I just give it some time and I try to control my breathing and I do my best to stop the spiraling thoughts that I will come to a place of like, I'll get, I'll get myself back grounded. But the challenge is that when it comes on so intensely, I just re-enter the spiral over and over again. Like I'm on a bad carnival ride that I can't get off of. And I think it's going to be over, but before I can get unlatched and off of the seat or whatever for the ride, it starts up again. And so I just more or less surrendered that this was going to be my experience and I wasn't going to fight it per se. And I know for you witnessing it, I mean, you can tell, tell me, you can tell them, you know, what is it like witnessing me in that space? Yeah, it's, scary. It's challenging. And yet I've been just in enough scary, challenging situations to know that this too shall pass. And especially when I can just get over those initial defense mechanisms, ego, all that stuff, and just be with my wife who I adore and who I just care about deeply, then it's it's more of, oh baby, it's it's more of, 
I see you're hurting and that hurts. Mm. And then I can usually tap into like almost infinite patience, which I think that's such a big one that like genuine patience, not like I'm waiting because I'm supposed to do this, but eventually I won't have to. And then I'll be able to go back to defending or all those, those initial impulses. And so for me, it's, I've gotten pretty good at looking to the North star of, I love you. You're my person and I love you fun conditionally. And I want to be here for you. And I have so much trust and faith in you and the work that you've done and your ability to navigate that and come back to peace, stability, and ultimately to love and our connection. Our favorite place to shop for crystal, glass, and metal toys is Yoni Pleasure Palace. Sacred squirters, cervix serpents, Yoni eggs, prostate massagers, anal plugs and beaded wands, G-spot massagers, and something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with, our plush, velvety, waterproof blanket. Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, when you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it, along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough to add to your collection. Visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code that sex chick, all one word, at checkout for 15% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. And so you know, that night ended, uh, the next morning being still tender. And I was checking in, but I was still giving you space, but I wasn't, I wasn't ignoring, I was doing my best to not ignore, to not withhold love, to not, but also to not necessarily overly pretend that nothing happened. So it's kind of a sweet spot of a lot of those factors and just asking questions, checking in and knowing that at some point we'll, we'll be able to dig in a little deeper and come back to love eventually. And that didn't mean that you were this whole time waiting for your opportunity to defend yourself and explain yourself or any of that. Cause up to this point, you still hadn't had space to do that. And I wasn't prepared or ready for it. It didn't really matter what you were going to say. So yeah. like, cause I think that that's the thing that trips up a lot of people. They're like, if you just understood what I was trying to do for us, then you might feel better. That doesn't work. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. As much as I fucking want it to. Yeah. It just it doesn't. doesn't work. <laughs> and like, at least not right then. Exactly. You know, like I, in that instance, like I have to soften up. I have to come around. I have to show my body and my system that I'm safe, that this was a perceived threat and, and like I'm guarded and I'm hurt and I'm all these things. And I'm not actually not ready to hear your defense or to hear your explanation or anything like that. And at that point, it's like, if you try to say any of that, I don't want to hear it. It's all wrong. And I still haven't even really. No, cause I'm still <laughs> mad. <laughs> and we're like almost two days later. Yeah. You uh, will though soon. Okay. Thank you, baby. I mean, wouldn't you rather say it when I'm actually receptive to it? hundred percent. And that's why it's like, it's got to fizzle. It's got to dissipate. I've got to put myself back together. I've got, you know, and it's choices that I get to make and I'm, I'm in a cycle 
where, and I told you this in our walk this morning, I'm just right now, I'm feeling really low, like mentally, emotionally, physically, I'm just at a low. So, you know, it's taking me a bit longer to come back around. And I know that this isn't forever, but it's just been, you know, first trimester and then feeling a bit better and then getting sick. And then, and I'm just like not getting good sleep. And so, you know, I try to tell myself like, this is temporary and this will not be forever. And when it's like months at a time, then it starts, yeah, like I start to question my sanity. Are you sure that this mantra of this will pass, this will pass? Are you sure this is real? Are you sure that this is going to happen? But anyway, I'm working on it, you know, because this is a series of de- of choices and decisions with regards to how I'm going to choose to look at this scenario and just like arguments and in, in conflict in general. Mm-hmm. Like it's what I believe it to be, you know, like all of this shakes out. And just like in the times where I've ignored my intuition and I was in a threatening position and people did take advantage of me and advantage of a situation I also played a role in those things where I ignored my intuition. I ignored when I wanted to speak up. I put myself in a place where I was the match for that. And so I can take responsibility. And I also don't just like go, oh, it's okay that you treated me like you treated me because I did things that led me to deserve it. I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. I feel like people did wrong to me and and I've moved on. You know, like I did, I see where I played a role and that doesn't, excuse them for the wrong that they did. And you aren't those people. And there are times when the situation plays out where the inner workings of my mind are, see, he's the same too. You've been lying to yourself. You don't make good decisions. And now this time the stakes are even higher because you're married to this person and you're pregnant. And so like the inner Alexa, like that inner voice is just dark. And, but I get to choose, do I listen and make that my truth? Or do I really recognize that I have done things differently this time? I'm different this time in relationship. Our relationship is just built on completely different things than prior relationships in my life. And so then I get to choose, you know, what is the truth for me? And what kind of life am I going to be living if I'm just constantly on edge waiting for you to fuck up, to prove me right? Mm -hmm. You know, like then it doesn't let you in and I'm not actually being vulnerable. I'm not letting you into my heart. So, you know, these conflicts and things, when we break them down and we take a look at them, they're, they're really big. Like they're really significant. They're really important. So the next day you came in and hung out with me while I was in the bathtub and the only thing that you wanted to do, at least this is what you said, was you just wanted to give me space to say anything that I wanted to say. And you made the commitment that you were not going to share the things that, that were really coming up for you with regards to like wanting to defend yourself or wanting to explain. Is that what you're going to say? Be understood. Be understood. Yeah. So, and I think that that's incredibly difficult for most men. Mo- most men won't even show up for this. They'll avoid. You yeah, know, they will see that avoid they or it's trying be overly diligent trying to fix. Trying to fix. But I think usually if the fix, if the effort isn't met with receptivity, then they're like, fine, fuck you. Yeah. And they avoid. Mm-hmm. And they go pour themselves into their work or they go distract themselves with their kids or friends or whatever. And there's a different way to do it. Yeah. So 
Yeah, just to close this loop, and then I got a couple other things I would love for us to get into. Then it was, I don't know, maybe a couple hours later, another conversation, and same thing. It was like, I just, I want to hear more from you. And I think that's a really powerful frame for men is, cool, what else? And that's, I do that often. I'll say, okay, what else? And in a way that is, again, genuine, it's congruent. It's like, what else do you got? Like, give it to me. I want to hear it. I'm here for it. And that, tell me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that feels good. That feels trustworthy. That feels like, okay, I can keep going. Like nothing I'm saying is, isn't okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good when it feels like you are actually listening, mm-hmm. not just doing the motions yeah. of, all right, what else? All right, what else? All right, what else? Like it's it's got to be empowered. Okay. It's authentic. I understand. I'm with you. Yeah. What else is in there? What else is, is inside of you? What else do you, you know, basically what you're asking is, is there anything that you're holding back because you're fearing that how I will react or how I will take it? Yeah. You know, because those withholds are in the way of the connection ultimately. Yeah. And reassuring you that I'm a safe space for all of you. Doesn't mean I take it personally. Doesn't mean I take it on. Like you said, doesn't mean I necessarily even agree. Just like, okay, cool. Be fully expressed. And we probably have another one of those sessions for this topic, for this experience. And then I'll have my day <laughs> where I get to share some of my heart, my thoughts. And it's funny, I say heart, yes. And it's it's like my logic, you know, and that's a lot of times the disconnect is the masculine intellect, logic, fix it, doer, and the more feminine feel and just come into coherence around all that. So Ultimately, we, after that, I said, would you like me to love on your body a bit? I get on the massage table and we'll rub you down. And that is such, I mean, we've said it a million times. I'll say a million more. Get a cheap, great massage table on Amazon for like a hundred bucks. There's some that are like 300 bucks, but a hundred dollar one is amazing. And it is just the default. It is so, it just works very, very well for us and for many people we know. And it's like straight up, it's not the same as just laying on the bed. It's not. It's so not. It's a very different experience. It's ergonomically sound. It also is energetically, like it signaling. Right. Because it is meant for one specific thing, someone to lay on it for their body to be loved on. And did that for 30 minutes or so. And I mean, I, love. Did, I mean, I did have a decent amount of resistance too. Or I'm like, am I ready for him to physically touch me? Sure. And, you know, that's like an, a lower barrier to entry. It's like, if I get on the massage table, then I know, like, I know what we're doing. It's an exchange and it's, and it's because you, you know, it's a tool that we're using. Yeah. An effort to bring more harmony into our connection. Yeah. And to put aside the the talk therapy, if you will, and just... Love each other with our bodies. Be loved, give love, like that somatic experience to use the buzzword that everybody loves. That is of such a powerful tool. And all too often it's talking at nauseum and trying to, you know, come to that mental understanding. It's like, okay, cool. We've done enough of that. Let's let's get into our bodies. And then we had sex. It was important. It was connective and it alchemized as it does. Sure. The you were referencing is the processing in circles. Yeah. Because we find that with a lot of couples, whenever they've gone through a hard thing, they just just constantly find themselves processing in circles, saying the same thing in different ways. Yeah. And they're exhausted from it. And just 
Yeah, it's mental masturbation. And sometimes, like, there's a thing that I want to say more than one time because yeah. it feels really important. I'm like, I don't know if you gathered how important this is to me, but we're not going to go back into examples and pulling things apart and what did you say and like none of that is none of that is helpful in the in the end goal because what is the end goal if my goal is for me to be right and for me to prove you wrong and for you to feel shame both of us lose yeah and if your goal is to prove to me that I'm overreacting and that I'm being dramatic and that you actually understood everything that you were deciding and it was good for us and good for the family and this that and the other we lose yeah so you know we want to win together. Yeah. And that's the end goal. Cause if the end goal is that either of you are going to win, then you both lose. And if the end goal is I want harmony, I want peace and I want love and yeah. And I want us to be in connection. If that's what the end goal is then, and you continue to make that your North star, you're going to navigate these kinds of situations like they're going to hurt because it's hurtful. Like whatever has come to the surface is hurtful, but you can still do it in a way that everybody retains their dignity and feels loved in the process and feels like they've got space to have their process. To be a human. And to be a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, baby. Yeah. Next. What you got? So there's two things that I want to get to and maybe others will come up. One, I just got this hit around the topic of narcissism. (laughs) We haven't talked about that in a long time. In fact, I don't know if we've ever actually talked about it on the podcast, you and I, in the early days of our relationship, once or twice, I remember talking about it publicly. So that's one is just like this buzzword of narcissism. And secondly is cultivating trust in relationship when there's been infidelity, some level of infidelity. How do you get back to, like, if you want to stay together and you believe it's worth it, then what does that look like? I think you're saying that because we've just in the last couple of years have had a number of people that we've worked with that have experienced infidelity and are rebuilding trust, you know, and infidelity is one thing, you know, having an exchange with another person outside of the marital or relationship agreement. But then we've, we've worked with couples that have also had broken trust in different regards. Like one of the partners blew through the their entire savings account and didn't mm. say anything to the other person until the other person found out. Yeah. And how do I, you know, how do I surrender and build trust with that person when sure. they put our family at risk? Mm-hmm. You know, so big shit happens in relationships, especially if you've agreed to be together forever. Well, fuck. <laughs> Forever's a long time. There's going to be lots of humaning that happens mm-hmm. during forever on the path to forever. And decisions that will be made and fuck ups that will be had. So go, cool. would you want to start there then? We can. What did you want to say about narcissism? Why did you bring up narcissism? It just, it feels like it's made a resurgence of sorts. Maybe it just never really went away, but for whatever reason, it's, it's just something I've, I see around this like crying wolf narrative and this victim mentality of like, oh, he was a narcissist. And it seems to be quite prevalent with women toward men. And as a, as a means to not have to take personal responsibility. Totally. And just labeling somebody unequivocally as a narcissist to just justify why whatever happened in the relationship. Well, he's a narcissist. And there's nothing I could have done about that. Totally. And it's like, he's just essentially a psychopath. Like I, when I hear that and just the energy I feel around it, it's like, well, he's a psychopath is like heartless is 
ruthless, all these kind of things. And just because you didn't get what you wanted uh, and couldn't control the situation in the way that you wanted to control it, you must be a narcissist. Yeah. Right. Oh, he's trying to control you. Sorry. You're both trying to control a situation that mm. feels out of control. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, our example of sorts is like kind of one of my favorites. When we first started dating, someone that you dated a year prior to me mm. felt compelled to tell me that you gaslit her and that you were a narcissist and that you were basically an awful person and thought that she was going out of her way. I'm sure this is the story that she told herself in some regard that she was doing me a favor, warning me for what I might be getting myself into. And you couldn't be further from those things. Mm -hmm. And how I know that is because I'm not a match for those things. I've done enough work on myself and know what the truth is for myself and I'm willing to change my mind and have been in relationships where I would describe the other person as being a lot of those things. You know, I was in a long-term relationship with someone who's a recovering addict or an active addiction. And if anyone actually fits the bill for narcissistic tendencies and narcissistic behavior, which is what I prefer to call it versus label, if anyone like really truly fits that bill, it's someone who's dealing with addiction and the lying and this and spinning circles with the stories, you know, deception, cheating, all the things. And so I got up close and personal with someone who, you know, was spinning stories but I chose to believe them. I chose to, like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, I chose to look the other way for my comfort because I wasn't ready to look at the things for what they were. I thought that I could change him and change the situation and all these things. I played a role. I, in a lot of ways, had the same narcissistic behavior on my side. It's just some of it's covert and some of it's overt, seemingly, mm. you know, and some of it, from the outside perspective is more agreeable than the other. And that's not serving. That's not serving anyone. I've got girlfriends here in Austin that I hear their conversation. I hear them telling me the story about this guy and that guy that they're dating. And then I got out of this narcissistic relationship and then this emotionally abusive thing. And now, and this, and I'm like, Yo, do you not see that out of all these stories, the common denominator is you. If there's a problem, it's you. So that's, that's a tough pill to swallow for most mm. people. And some people might hear this and go, yeah, but you don't know. Mm. You don't know my situation. You don't know what he did. You don't, you're right. I don't know. And if that's your story, you don't know. And you want to hold on with a hard, with a tight grip of the reality that you've told yourself that you are not in any way, shape or form wrong. And that you had only a ton of bad stuff happen to you and that you're a victim and all these things. And maybe you were a victim. Maybe, maybe some things actually did happen that were really fucked. But if that's the story that you're going to continuously tell yourself, you're going to find yourself in that situation over and over and over again. And not just in romantic partnerships, you're going to find it with companies that you work for, people that you work with, mm. bosses that you have. You're going to see it in your family dynamics. You're going to see it in your friendships. You're not going to be able to trust anybody. You're certainly not going to be able to trust yourself. And it just creates a really sad dynamic for people. And I don't think using the term and the label of narcissist is serving anyone. Come on. 
Cause it isn't true for most people, you know, mm-hmm. like for you to sit and have this conversation and on a podcast and tell every, all of our listeners how you decided to treat me when I was spiraling is so the opposite <laughs> of narcissistic tendencies, unless you were doing it as a ploy and that you really I'm do playing that. a long game, baby. Playing- I've been half years in wearing you down. Yeah. But you see what I'm saying? Like, so were you a narcissist for her and then you just flipped a switch and now you're not a narcissist to me? Like, does it make any sense? Let me jump in here, baby. Got lots of things to say. Okay. Great riff. First thing that comes to mind is if I were to take a snap shot picture in time of anyone in their worst moment or maybe even their worst season and were then to blindly and unequivocally project that that is them and they are all wrong, they're all bad because of that thing. Nobody can live up to that standard. And I think for whatever reason, the culture around this idea of narcissism is like the epitome of that. It is a spectrum that lives within all of us. There is a narcissistic spectrum. It's you know, we're protecting ourselves. Yeah, exactly. We're protecting advocating to state, ourselves. Protecting our reality. For ourselves. Yeah. It's 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 ego. It's all these things that are they just are. And I think part of the reason why this is particularly present and relevant for me is reading Robert Greene's new book, Forty Eight Laws of Human Nature. No, is that His it? Old book is the previous book is Forty Eight Laws of Power. This is the Laws of Human Nature. Oh well, whatever you know. I guess he blended them together. Up. Laws of Human Nature, whatever it is, uh-huh. and he. It's like at the beginning of the book, he goes into narcissist. Yeah. And, and it was just like, oh yeah, this is totally true. And, you know, without getting into all of like the, the research and all the evidence and all that kind of stuff, it's very few people are unequivocally 100% a narcissist. Few and far between, but you'd think <laughs> by how it's thrown around that they are rampant and they're hiding behind Every bush just waiting how to pounce do you on know? an unsuspecting you know victim. You should write it in your in your Tinder profile. No narcissists. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'll get rid of them. Well, because they know that they are. And, right. And because they, they know that they are. Yeah. And I also funny. want to, in a sense, validate that previous partner. I was not my best. I was a immature, wannabe conscious fuck boy. Didn't want to be in a relationship, but wanted to have my cake and eat it too. And I'm not proud of how I showed up in that relationship in a lot of ways. But so it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Totally. That you and that because you were immature and and made decisions and was in a relationship that like wasn't a great fit for you, and really wasn't a great fit for her either. Yeah. And you had it play out the way that it played out. You were a match for each other for it to unfold the way that it unfolded. It doesn't mean that you now don't deserve love. Totally. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Just because you made some decisions or treated yourself or another person in ways that like weren't the greatest. Yeah. You know, like I think that I think that people at large can say they resonate like they have been on both sides of that and knows what that feels like. It's not black or white. It's incredibly nuanced. And yeah, it feels like one of those things that's important to speak to because I don't hear a whole lot of people giving this perspective for whatever reason. It's like a trump card. That when I say that I was the victim of a narcissist or he is a narcissist, don't even question it. Don't challenge it because that is, then that's gaslighting. (laughs) You're questioning my reality and my experience. It's like, oh, okay, we can play this game and do this dance in a circle. That can be a person's reality. That can be a per, and then I'm not in connection with that person. I'm not friends with that person. Not, you know what I mean? Like to a certain degree, I can be friendly with, but like, that's, those are red flags to me. 
when I have someone in my life that's consistently saying and using those lang- that language and not taking personal responsibility and spinning circles for themselves, and they're not able to, you know, break out of the the fog that's around that and like how that's dictating their lives. I don't want to get to me. That's untrustworthy. I don't yeah. want to be misconstrued. I don't want the ways like I am cautious regarding yeah. being in connection with those types of people personally. All right. Have we beat this dead horse? It's a terrible phrase. You've said it I've now. Probably a said of it times. before. Yeah. I don't know. Poor horse. And it's probably racist because Probably because every old saying that we don't know where it comes from and doesn't make a whole lot of sense has roots in racism for sure. Which is crazy to me. Anyway. It's not not true. I know. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. It's crazy to me. That was not a joke. Uh All right. So I got less than 10 minutes. Same. Or we got to hop on calls. Because you mentioned it. Let's just talk about, and we didn't really go into that many, you know, pitfalls that we see people or like challenges that we see couples facing we spend a decent amount of time kind of pulling and dissecting apart how we choose to navigate, you know, conflict and that kind of thing. Then go in our little narcissist rant. But, you know, you mentioned the infidelity and when trust has been broken, all those things and what was coming up for you. Yeah. So the first thing, the like principle around trust, when trust is broken, broken, how to regain it is the way not to do it is perpetuating the untrustworthy behavior which can be very counterintuitive. And so just to give like a concrete example to illustrate this point in infidelity, this is relevant because we've seen this like exact type of behavior play out. It's just quite common. Okay. So someone cheats and then it's like, you know, world is falling apart. My reality, like, who are you? I can't trust you, but okay. We get past maybe the acute infraction and the reaction to it, and I'm going to continue to, I'm going to give this a shot and try and come back to trust, to respect, and to, to make this work. Cool. Now, in that process, something that I commonly see is I need to now see your text messages. I need to look at your phone. I need to have access to, to make sure that you're not cheating. Going where you've been, who you were with. You got to yes. call me when you get there. Yeah. And the logic makes sense where it's like, okay, well, you did this thing. The only way I can know that you aren't doing it is if I can see I have proof. and I have proof that you're not right. doing it. you got it because you have to prove that you're worthy now yeah. of my trust yes. and, and that you're deserving of my trust. Yeah. And that's, that's not how it works. That's, that's going to actually make things worse. Guaranteed. <laughs> no questions. Jordan's guarantee. Yes. This is an unbacked guarantee or your money back that you didn't pay to take an hour out of your life to listen to this podcast. So, oh yeah, they're letting them rip, aren't they? Woo-wee. That is offensive to olfactory senses. So yeah, and that's this is present because again, it's just something that we see often and some couples that we're working with, we're seeing those kinds of things play out. And at some point, the person that you know, was cheated on has to say, okay, if I'm going to stay with this person and I'm going to make it work, how do I want that to ultimately look? How do I want to come back to trust, love, commitment, and spend the rest of our lives together? Well, getting hijacked by neurotic, fearful behavior and needing to address it from some place of certainty in an uncertain world and becoming a mom and all these kind of things, it's not going to do it. And and you and I have even had an experience in this regard early in our relationship. We're not even like that early, but a few years ago. 
And we were very aware, oh no, this is not going to get us what we ultimately want. Ultimately, if I want to trust you and build back trust again, if I'm the one who did the thing, then I have to be really humble and really patient and take ownership. I don't become, you know, a doormat. That's not going to work either. Uh, so there's like two kind of extremes to this of like, I just take shit incessantly because I, I deserve this. I did the thing. I'm in the doghouse. I'm in the doghouse. I'll do whatever you say yeah, now so that I'm you'll so love sorry. me again. Yeah, exactly. Keep me so that you don't leave me. It's not that. And as part of that is, no, you don't get to look at my phone. And it's not because I have something to hide. And this is where I just, I get to hold the line and say, it's not because I have something to hide. It's because this is not how we regain trust. You just have to, you at some point have to determine that I'm willing to trust you again. That you are willing to trust me again. Willing to trust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And And, I get it. That's hard. And the times when the compulsion is there and it's like, I just need to make sure so that I can feel better. (laughs) That's something for the person who's processing the deceit or the betrayal. That's for them to process, you know, they can tell their partner that they're experiencing what they're Absolutely. experiencing Perfectly and give. And that's very vulnerable to let the other person know that they are going through something that it is coming up for them, but then it's the other person's job not to take it personally Yes, and like, you know, do the doormat thing or are we here again? Yes. Like if you have done something an infraction to your relationship and the other person is hurting, you cannot control how they heal. Yeah. And it's going to come in waves, you know, when something's done, it's like, man, just because I have a good day after several bad days doesn't mean I'm better air quotes, like doesn't mean I'm fixed or that this is all fine. Like we're on the path to recovery. We are. And in a week's time, there might be a thing that pops up that triggers the wound to be, you know, hurting again. Mm. And if you were the one that did the infraction, then you just breathe, remind yourself that you are a good person, that you didn't want to hurt them, that that wasn't why you did what you did or said what you said or acted in the way that you acted. And that if you really do want to be in partnership with the other person, you've got to be steady for their experience. If you really do want to make it work, because it's possible to come yeah. back into harmony and We've to come back it. into connection. And come back better. Many and come times. back better. More often than not, because come a lot back of better. times there's a lot of withholds, there's a lot of resentments, there's a lot of stuff that's been brushed under the rug that's been building up in order to get to a place where the betrayal occurs. Yeah. And then sometimes the betrayal is the thing that just rips the band-aid yeah. off. Then all the stuff or like, you know, the metaphorical, everything that's been brushed under the rug, it lifts the rug yeah. and then everything is there to be tended to. And I think some people unconsciously actually do the betrayal in order to get to that place because yeah, they don't see another way too. because just showing up to couples counseling, I think fucks people up yeah. in a lot of ways. Like it's just more verbal processing. You've got an hour to do it and it leaves people feeling more agitated than closer together. Yeah. Some people, some people have great therapists. Most people that I've shared with me don't say that though. So, you know, and then they get to, they get to look at all the things that they weren't willing to look at and then make different decisions, decide to connect with each other in a different way, decide to heal in a different way um, and decide, okay, from now moving forward, we're not going to operate in this way. We're not going to let circumstances and choices and patterns lead us to a place where we've got a mountain underneath the rug that we're unwilling to look at Mm. to where we just basically wind up in this place again. Yeah. 
you know? So I think like betrayal and infidelity and some, sometimes things like that are like, if a couple wants to stay together, it can be leveraged to their advantage yeah. in a lot of ways. You know, people are people and humans are going to do human things and for whatever their reasons and they regret and they don't regret and it just is, you know, and if you commit to someone and say, you know, I want to put this ring on your finger and I want to be with you forever again, forever is a long ass time for you to go through so many cycles and seasons with another person to think that they're never going to do something that's going to upset you or that's going to break your trust is silly. It's a silly pressure. And it doesn't mean live your life like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. You know, you got to find your peace with it and you have to find your acceptance with it. And, you know, with regards to people who are, are wanting to come back together, you know, your relationship and your love and your family, it's all real. The things Mm. that you thought you know, like that's a thing that I experience, especially in women, is that when infidelity occurs, they think that their whole life was a lie. Mm. They think that their love was never real. They start to question everything and they start to think that everything that they'd built was not real. Yeah. And then they start to question their sanity in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, what you have is real. Your family's real. Your love was, is real. Yeah. This thing doesn't negate everything. It doesn't just cancel it all out, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can say, yes, I want to go, you know, the harder thing to do, actually it's, they're both hards. You have a choice between two hards. (laughs) It's hard to pull a family apart. And in a lot of ways, like, like sometimes that is the best decision, but I think many people are choosing that because they think that that's what they're supposed to do when infidelity yep. occurs. Yep. And that's not a righteous choice. No, they're it's supposed not. to, or in some way it feels, it's like a relief. It's right. like the pressure bottles went up and now, now I can justify doing this thing that I maybe right. part of me wanted to already do anyway. Right. Well, because the alternative is the other hard, <clears throat> which is actually doing the excavation and doing the hard yeah. healing work in order to find yourselves you know, back in love and back in connection, mm-hmm. but both are hard Yeah, because one, you're going to be in each other, especially if you have a family, you're mm-hmm. going to be in each other's lives forever because you have children. Yeah. And so ultimately, like, again, it, it, it leads me back to the question of like, what is our end goal here? And even if we can't get past this and the relationship has to end, I think the goal still needs to be, how do we do this harmoniously? Yeah. How do we do this as easily as we can, as peacefully as we can, because like, even if this thing happened, it doesn't negate the fact that we have five, 10, however many years, good years that deserves to be celebrated and honored. And if you have kids, then you got to put your fucking shit aside because your children and their state matters more. I was caught in the crossfire of a nasty divorce and it's, it's not good. Right. And sometimes, like I said, if there's physical abuse, you don't stay. Yeah. Emotional abuse. I think the term is up for debate. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like narcissism. Yeah. It's up for debate. And, um, big old spectrum. Right. And I know we are running out of time here, but this is a bigger conversation. But if, you know, if it is like this is absolutely the best choice is to s- separate, then. You separate with compassion and empathy and you do the work that is required in order to separate with compassion and empathy so that your family is as affected as, as little 
minimally uh, effective. Minimally, thank you. <laughs> as little as they possibly can be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus like knock down, drag out, I hate you. Mm-hmm. I have to do what's best for me. <sighs> Fuck you. Whatever. Like it's just that's not great. That really isn't great. So that's the other, maybe a third option is you choose to separate and you still do the work mm-hmm. where you lift the rug and you heal, yeah. but you still choose to separate. So it's hard no matter what. And then if you choose to stay together, then we've seen it time and time again. There's so much more that yeah. is available than most people would want to lead you to believe. I've been blown away by it. Yeah, me too. So this conversation really gets to to be continued in some ways because we see Forever. so much more in coupleship than just what we outlined here. And hopefully you as the listeners are able to, um, you are able to reflect and able to take a thing or two from it. And, you know, you can find us on social media and send us messages of like what you liked, what you didn't like, what you're taking away from it, points that that you were like touche, mm-hmm. um, things that you're like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> we like these conversations to to be dynamic. And so anything right, else? Mrs. Bowditch, I got to go. I got to go too. I have a Love call you. now as well. Love y'all. Love you. Love y'all. And, uh, and I'm still mad about the fact that you told everybody that I shit myself, which was wrong. No, she pooped her pants. I did not. Don't let her fool you. She <laughs> dropped a big old mud monkey right in her britches. You are <laughs> the worst. You need your own podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.